0: Good morning welcome to the point the radio Ministry of Life Point Baptist Church of early Texas Life Point meets for Sunday school at 10 a.m morning worship at 11 a.m and we meet at the early Chamber of Commerce small business incubator facility which is located at 104 East industrial Drive in early that's just off of highway 377 next to pates hardware back behind where they're building those new townhomes there on early Boulevard we'd love to meet with you this morning and uh, get to fellowship with you and worship with you but if today's not today we get to meet in person, maybe sometime in the future. I would like to take this opportunity to wish you a Merry Christmas and hope that you're having a beautiful holiday weekend, and I hope you're getting to enjoy time with your friends and loved ones, and I hope that you are able to enjoy the peace of Christ, the peace that Christ promised us and that he brings us, and that peace that surpasses all understanding. I hope you're able to enjoy that this holiday weekend. If you will, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to be reading verses 2 through 7. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Today I'd like to talk to you about Christmas light and the light that we can look forward to as a result of what Christ did for us and what God has done for us. So in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, the Bible says, The people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation, and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise, and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning, and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, Today I would like to talk to you about Christmas light, and when we talk about light, of course we're talking about the light of the world, and that's our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7 are some of the most quoted Christmas verses in the Bible. These verses say, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. We read these verses and in reading these verses here, verses six and seven in Isaiah chapter nine, we get a sense of hope, the hope, hope in Christ And hope in his eternal kingdom. These verses convey hope from the very beginning when they say, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. You know, there's a certain hope that you experience with the birth of a child. A certain excitement over who this child is going to be and what he's going to grow up to be and what you're going to get to see him do. And there's that hope and that excitement and that anticipation And just as we have that with the birth of our children, with the the birth of our grandchildren, that hope is being conveyed when it comes to the birth of Christ, which is what we celebrate this weekend for Christmas. These verses convey hope, hope in Christ, and not only hope in his coming and hope in his birth, but also hope in his eternal kingdom. When the Bible says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. What this is talking about is his eternal kingdom, how perfect it'll be. It'll be a just kingdom. It'll be a kingdom where you never experience injustice. When it talks about how his name will be wonderful, counselor, His names even convey the hope. Wonderful, that means to be full of miracles. He is going to be a ruler of his eternal kingdom with miracles, with teaching, with power. And this kingdom that he establishes here on this earth will be one with no suffering, with no pain, with no poverty, with no want, with no wars, with no recessions, with no political turmoil, no arthritis, no diabetes, no cancer, we're going to be in this perfect place when he establishes his kingdom here on this earth, and that's what we're looking forward to. These verses, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, get us to looking forward to the coming of Christ and to the establishment of his kingdom. It'll be that day that we'll be delivered from all of our problems, and that promise was made to us by God, and it's a promise that he has kept, and it's a promise that he will keep. He did keep it when Christ was born. When Christ was born and laid in that manger, when Mary and Joseph were there and the shepherds came and the wise men came, God kept his promise. The promise was that a child would be born, that his son would be given. And we see when we look at the nativity, when we look at the manger scenes and you see that baby laying there in that manger, that baby When we see these around town, it's a representation, but that baby that was laid in that manger Christmas day 2,000 years ago was the only begotten Son of God given unto us for our salvation. These verses convey hope, and let that hope light your life this Christmas. The promise of Christ was made by God to Israel during some of their darkest times. And you may be experiencing dark times right now. We may be talking about the blessings of the season, the reason for the season, the blessed hope of Christmas. And we may be talking about the peace of Christ, the Christ's peace that we would like for you to enjoy uh, this Christmas. Joy to the world and heaven and nature sing. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men, and you're going through a time right now and you're saying, I don't know what in the world you're talking about. My life isn't anything like that. You may be experiencing darkness today. You may be experiencing poverty today. You may be experiencing health problems, conflict with family. You may see your career and your world falling apart. You may see darkness. And you're not alone in that. A lot of people are hurting today. A lot of people are struggling today. And a lot of people have problems in their lives that seem insurmountable. And that's the situation the nation of Israel was in when God gave this promise back in Isaiah chapter 9. The nation of Israel was in very dark times. The northern kingdom was pretty well collapsing, the southern kingdom was experiencing its own problems, the economy was in recession. Foreign armies were invading. They were having to pay tax money to their government so that their government could give money to a foreign country so that foreign country wouldn't wipe them off the face of the map. We we think we have tax problems here. They were seeing their wealth transferred over to the Assyrians and over to the Babylonians so that they could live in peace without being invaded and raided and having their towns burnt down. Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, their sovereignty and their prosperity were diminishing. And everything that they had tried to rectify their problems had failed. You ever have that problem? You've got financial problems and everything you try to do to solve your financial problems, everything fails. You have family problems, everything you do to try to fix your family problems, everything fails. You're having problems in your marriage, everything you've tried to do in your marriage to save it seems to have have failed And, and you just don't see how you can go further and you're sitting here in this dark place with this broken heart and you don't feel like you can let it show and you don't feel like you can lean on anybody for help and you're in this place of darkness. Israel, the nation, God's people were in a very dark place when these promises were made to them. The nation of Israel had brought this on themselves, but even so, God was offering his promise of deliverance and offering them light and hope during all this. In Isaiah chapter nine, verses two through seven, the Lord acknowledges the darkness that engulfed the nation, but then he promised to rescue them from that. And in this, we see three things. We see that darkness is default. It's what happens when man is outside of God's presence. It's what happens when man is left to his own demise. It's what happens when man takes control of his own destiny. Darkness is the default. We also see the degradation of darkness. When you live a lifestyle of sin, there are very negative consequences to that, and that's a law of nature. You you just haven't been unlucky. There are causes and effects to what go on in life. But then we see that God shines his light into that darkness and delivers and rescues and heals. So that's what we wanna talk about this morning. First of all, that darkness is default. We look in verse two here in Isaiah chapter nine and it says, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them hath the light shined. The Bible doesn't say the people wandered into the darkness. The Bible says that they walked in darkness and that they dwelt in darkness. You see, they didn't walk from the light into the darkness. They were already in the darkness. That's where they started out. And scripture teaches that we all begin in darkness. Romans chapter three, verses 10 and 11 say, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. And Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, in in our natural state, apart from god we're sinners and we don't have this inner nature that tells us to seek righteousness that tells us to seek god our inner nature tells us to stay in sin and to stay in darkness it's called the sin nature that's human nature it is to sin it is to live apart from god and scripture teaches that we all begin there that we all begin in darkness man by nature is a sinner and in rebellion against God. It's his default mode. Man's default is darkness. And therefore it should come as no surprise that the people of Israel found themselves in darkness in Isaiah chapter nine. It's because it's the default position. It's where man goes when he is outside of God's promise. The people in Isaiah chapter 9 had not been taught God's word by their parents. They had not grown up in the godly traditions. They had instead grown up in idolatry and the worship of idols and sinful behavior. And therefore, they stayed in the darkness. Listen, the decisions that we make today affect the next generation to follow because they see the example that we follow. And they may follow that example, they may go another direction, but if we don't show them what it's like to trust in God, to trust in the Lord and to live according to God's word and according to his plan. They'll never see it and they'll never find it on their own without intervention from the Lord. They'll stay in darkness. The Bible tells us, that the people didn't wander into the darkness, they were already there. And it also says that they lived in the darkness. Let's look at uh, verse two one more time here in Isaiah chapter nine. It says the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light, so they walked in darkness. By the way, that word walk means it's a lifestyle. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them hath the light shined. They dwell there, it's their abide, it's their abode. That's where they live. The walk is the lifestyle. The dwelt is where they have taken up residence. The people in Isaiah chapter 9 that are being addressed, they lived a lifestyle of sin. They lived a lifestyle of darkness. And that brought with it the consequences. The consequences being death. They dwelt and took up residence in the devastation that was brought on by their sin. And we'll talk about this here in just a few minutes because if you look around Brown County, you probably see a lot of this happening with your friends and with your neighbors, maybe even within your own family. Uh, There are a lot of people within listening range of this radio station that are walking in darkness and dwelling in the land of the shadow of death. This is what man does outside the presence of God. Where unbelief abounds, sin reigns. And where sin reigns, evil grows. And where evil grows, death and destruction follow. A man that I had the pleasure of meeting here about 12 years ago, a man by the name of Neil Morley served in the United States Marine Corps. During World War II, he served in the Pacific Theater. And in the Marine Corps, he had the opportunity to join a group called the Marine Raiders. Now, if you don't know what the Marine Raiders were, They were kind of a Marine Corps within the Marine Corps. They were some of the elite fighters that the Marines had. And what the Marines would do is they would drop these Marine raiders at one end of an island. And these islands were usually about 20 to 30 miles across in diameter from one shore to the other. And these Marine raiders would run across that island to where the Japanese held an encampment and they would kill as many Japanese soldiers as they could then run back across the island hoping to get back before the ship left them. If the ship encountered any Japanese vessels, the ship would have to leave because the last thing we wanted to do would be to lose an entire naval vessel over 20 Marines. And so these guys put their lives on the line in some of the worst scenarios and some of the worst ways possible. And Brother Neil Morley was a Marine Raider. And somehow, miraculously... He not only survived World War II, because he fought at Guadalcanal, he was in the Solomon Islands, he was at Midway, he was at Iwo Jima, he was... um at Okinawa, and he was preparing for the invasion of the mainland before we dropped the bombs that ended the war in the Pacific Theater. I mean, he saw some pretty serious action, but what he saw that moved him most was not the combat that he experienced during World War II, but it was the conditions that the people lived in, the oppression that those who lived in the islands who were conquered by the Japanese Empire, uh, the conditions they lived under, the conditions that his fellow soldiers underwent when they were captured by the Japanese, and he was moved by how cruel people could be and he's not alone in that Uh, there were a number of soldiers who fought in World War One excuse me World War Two both in the European theater and in the Pacific theater that saw how cruel life would be outside the presence of God and so after the war was over they became missionaries and they wound up going back to the lands where they fought to try to win those people to the Lord you see look at what happened in World War Two And you read about the cruelties that the Empire of Japan was capable of. You read about the cruelties that the Nazi Party in Germany was guilty of. And you say, how in the world could somebody be so cruel? That cruelty comes when you are outside the presence of God. Things took place in World War II that I cannot mention in the presence of women and children. The atrocities were so evil that our fighting men were moved to take the light of the gospel into those places following the war. The darkness was the default, but the light of the gospel overcame the darkness. John 1, 5 says, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. It was into that darkness that the light shined. God, in Isaiah 9, 2, looked at his people in darkness, and he had compassion, and so he shined his light into that darkness. He sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. The darkness is where man goes by default when he is outside the presence of God and when nobody intervenes on behalf of God. Secondly, the darkness is a degrading place to be. Verse two says, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Notice that. Those that walked in darkness and those that dwelt in the land of the shadow of death you know, sin brings death. Scripture teaches this. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And then Romans six twenty three says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. To live in the land of the shadow of death is to live where the effects of sin are taking place. The effects of sin are, are taking hold. So the people in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, were seeing the devastating effects of sin. They were seeing the death that comes by sin taking hold. They were living in the land of the shadow of death. It's coming over. It's coming in like a dark storm cloud that is casting over the sun and bringing the darkness with it. The people in Isaiah 9-2 were seeing the devastating effects of sin. They were slowly being conquered. Their economy was tanking. They would soon be carried away into captivity in Babylon. But even as all of this was coming down, God still loved them. God shined his light on them. And God promised redemption and restoration. You see, sin will degrade you. And sin will kill you. It will destroy your life. It will break relationships. It will result in financial ruin. It will bring health problems. And the worst part is, sin will blind you to its effects. A good illustration is drug use. Not that all sin is tied to drug use, but if you want to see what sin will do to your life, drug use is a pretty good illustration. Because the first time you try it, it seems rather pleasurable, even fun. There's a certain euphoria that comes along with that and you think that that was a good time, you wanna do that again. Well, as you do that, more and more you become addicted. You get to where you can't get out of it. And while that's going on, your finances are drying up, your family is leaving you, you're losing everything that is near and dear to you and your health is suffering some very serious effects as well. But when you're on drugs, you don't see it. When you are in the destruction of addiction, You don't see the full effect for everybody around you sees it, but you don't see it. You don't see the full effect that that addiction is taking on you. You don't see everything that it's costing you because if you did, you would stop. There gets to a point where the pain threshold outweighs the euphoria that goes along with it, and by then you realize you're addicted, and then you have to decide whether or not you want to fight that battle or not, and that's the difference between a recovering drug addict and one who has passed on. But if you, if you look at the cycle of drug abuse and how you go down into that darkness, that's a really good illustration of what sin does. Not all sin is drug abuse, but it all carries with it the same consequences. Just as God used the captivity to lead Israel to repentance, he will work through the consequences of sin to lead you to repentance. He will also chastise you and correct you along the way. But the sooner you repent, the better and the easier that it's going to be on you. Sin degrades. Even when you're still in the darkness, God loves you. Even when you're still in the darkness, God paid for your redemption. Even when you're still in rebellion against God, he wants to bring you back into his presence. That's his love for you. And that's the light that he shines in the darkness. Let's look at verse two again. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them hath the light shined. Notice that the people... Are still in darkness they're walking in darkness they're dwelling in the land of the shadow of death at that moment they see the light at that moment the light shines upon them they didn't step out of the darkness into the light rather the light came to them in the darkness they didn't leave the darkness to the light the light overtook the darkness and shined upon them Romans chapter five, verse eight tells us that God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God made the first move when he promised a savior. Here in Isaiah chapter nine, when he says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. God made the first move when he promised this deliverance, when he promised this salvation. In Isaiah 7, 14, when he says, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us, God made the first move. He made the promise. Then he followed through on that promise when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was born a little over 2,000 years ago today. He completed that salvation by sending his only begotten son into the world and then sending his only begotten son to the cross where he took the judgment for sin on our behalf he paid the price for our sin he settled our sin debt gave his life rose from the grave conquered death and then God will bring our salvation full circle when Christ returns and establishes his kingdom on this earth the shining of the light into darkness is what we celebrate on Christmas We're not just celebrating the birth of a child, the birth of a son, we're celebrating who that son, who that child was. And that's our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the light of the world who brought salvation and brought hope and will come again to bring deliverance. Verse six says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Unto us a child is born. The child, Jesus, born to the nation of Israel. Just as God foretold to Abraham, he said, in thee shall all the nations of the world be blessed. In thy seed shall all the nations of the world be blessed. Shall all the families of the earth be blessed. What God promised Abraham was that the Savior, the Messiah, would come through his descendants. And Abraham's descendants were the nation of Israel. God followed through on that promise. Unto us a child is born. There is hope and there is, there is joy at the birth of a child. This child, Jesus, the seed promised to Abraham that would bless the nations of the earth. In this prophecy, Israel is told to look forward to that birth. And that's why the angels proclaimed the glory of God and announced the birth to the shepherds. That's why the wise men saw the star and went looking for Jesus, went looking for he who was born king of the Jews. Because of this prophecy, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. A son, the son, the only begotten son of God. Isaiah 9, 6 says, unto us a son is given. Not a son is born, but a son is given. The only begotten Son of God given to us for our salvation. John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Son was given to the world, to all of us. He gave his life for our salvation, for the salvation of the entire world. And then he rose again the third day, conquering the grave. Do you believe in him? Do you trust him? Verse 6 goes on to say his name shall be called Wonderful. That word literally means full of wonder. He's a miracle worker. His entire ministry was marked by his miracles, the healings, the resurrection of Lazarus, the casting out of devils. His name shall be called Counselor. That's a teacher. That's one who advises, one who leads, one who instills wisdom. The mighty God, the Bible teaches that Christ was God in flesh. John one fourteen says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And his name shall be called the everlasting Father. Jesus said in John fourteen nine, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father and the Prince of Peace, the one bringing in God's kingdom. You see, we have this hope because the Lord God sent his only begotten Son into the world to save us from our sins. And he'll have the final victory when he establishes his kingdom here on earth. John 1 5 says the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Darkness cannot overtake light. Darkness cannot drive light out. Darkness scatters once there is light. Likewise, Christ is infinitely more powerful than the darkness of this world. He will be victorious and he will establish his kingdom. And he will save you from your sins if you repent and believe. Trust him. This is quite a profound passage. Isaiah chapter nine, verse two. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. If you are in darkness this morning, whether that darkness is self-inflicted or not, I understand that problems come about that you didn't create that are not your fault. And there are problems and healthcare issues that we have, that have nothing to do with the actions that we took there's a story in the bible of a man who was blind from his birth and the disciples asked jesus if he was blind because he sinned or if he was blind because his parents sinned and jesus said neither but that god could be glorified sometimes problems just arise sometimes you find yourself in darkness and if you're in darkness today turn to the light If you are stuck in the consequences of your sin and you're stuck in a sinful lifestyle and you want to get out of there, turn from that sin, trust Jesus Christ to save you, trust him to cleanse you and place your faith in him. And the Bible teaches that he will come in and create in you a new creature. He will make you a new person. He will redeem you and give you the hope that we talk about around Christmas. And if you do know Jesus Christ as your savior, look forward to his kingdom. Look forward to the blessings that he has for you down the road. Look forward to eternity in his presence. The Bible actually teaches that your level of faith can be measured by how much you look forward to his arrival. We have a lot of hope, a confident expectation, a brilliant, optimistic look at the future because we know that God is in it and that he will rescue us. Be looking forward to that. Life Point Baptist Church meets for Sunday school at 10 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m., and we meet inside the Early Chamber of Commerce Small Business Incubator Facility, which is located at 104 East Industrial Drive. That's just off of Highway 377 next to Pate's Hardware, back behind where they're building those new townhomes. We'd love to meet with you this morning, but if we don't get to see you this morning, be sure and have a Merry Christmas, and enjoy the hope that Christ brings, and look to him for all your needs.